Welcome everyone to the Real World Podcast. Our Real World Podcast is a conversation to bridge the gap between the baby boomers, which is my mama, and (laughs) the millennials, where she keeps liking to emphasize I just barely squeak by. (laughs) Uh, You're almost the Gen Z. I am very close. Right. Uh, (laughs) I think I've already talked about my definition of what makes me a millennial or not in a past episode, so we don't need to go into that again. Uh, But we just want to emphasize, as we're about to talk about our topic today, the Torah or the law uh, with the Old Testament, uh, we do not pretend to be experts in any matters we discuss. Uh, We hope you guys enjoy our conversation with us. It may sound like a boring subject, because who wants to talk about the law? But this is actually one of my most favorite things I've learned in seminary. Like again, though, as even if I am near done with a master's degree, this is most of this information will be from one class. I because your volume is a little bit high, mom. That's why. Oh no! It sounds like Brian's talking too loud. I'm also just so excited about talk about the Torah. Maybe that's what it is. And so when you were saying that you don't pretend to be an expert, so you don't pretend to be God here. Right. Yeah, I'm not this God. Is his word. I'm not God. <laughs> I'm definitely not God. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the Torah. And I remember as we talked a little, very, very briefly about before we started, one of the things you found interesting was that various Jews and Christians disagree about what exactly is the Torah. Yeah, in fact, um, so when I just, I did honestly very little research on this simply because, you know, Brian's a seminary student, so, I mean, he's going to have the knowledge um, Thank you more for having me. confidence in me. Um, so, when I think about the Torah, I think about the Pentateuch, is that how you pronounce it? The Pentateuch. Pentateuch, okay, which is the first five books of the Bible. So, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yep. Ooh, and I didn't even look at anything for that. I even Good knew job. that, Brian. Did you like that? Can you do the rest of the uh, 39 books? I cannot. I know your brother <laughs> can sing it to a song. I like, can't, uh, yeah. He learned it. Probably. He learned it to a song. I used to know them at one point in time. I did actually um, have that all memorized. But honestly, as you get older, it's just not there. I always end up messing up as soon as I get to uh, Hosea. After Hosea, I always mm. forget what comes next. The only thing I can remember is I, in second grade, I used to go to Emmanuel Baptist Church in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and in second grade, I had to learn Psalm 23, and I still remember it. Like, I always remember nice. it after learning it. And I think it's because when you learn things when you're young, they just stick with you. Like, you just kind of like you know them forever, and I can't remember yesterday. So, But I can remember that from, like, mm, 55, <laughs> no, 57 years ago, something like that. Anyway, uh, Before we keep going on, I yes. did just realize, I, did, I, did I say who we are? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Did> maybe not. <laughs> I don't think I said. I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Bobby. <laughs> Thank you guys for being with us again. Definitely. Just in case there's a new listener and this is their very first episode. <laughs> Maybe they're a seminary student and they're trying Maybe. to find podcasts on the Torah. Maybe. And then Maybe. that's why. That's awesome. And then they're like, who are these people? They've been talking two right. minutes and they, they haven't even told us their names. Right. So so what I found out when I was doing the research here was that, um, like, because I learned what this was. I mean, my perspective is it, it is the five books of the first five books of the Bible. But as I was just researching on the Torah, um, I... I understand that the Torah, or the word Torah, um, means five books, or like, um, oh, what is it, like five-volumed books? Is oh no, that's the Pentateuch. That's Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Torah. So Torah the is the, Torah is the Hebrew word for law. Oh, for law. That's right. Okay, sorry, I misspoke, um, as usual. It, it is. Oh, sorry. It is no, also okay. uh, also uses the word for scripture very frequently well that's what i was going to say is so so in looking at um my research um which just came from just bl.uk um that sometimes the word torah is used to refer to the whole hebrew bible um which also contains um the prophets and writings and that it yes. can also refer to a wider scriptural commentaries, the Talmud, um, and even all Jewish, excuse me, Jewish religious knowledge. So they sometimes refer to the Torah as just, uh, you know, Jewish knowledge. Yeah. How they live their lives. Yeah. To- Torah, in its sense, the way it's used would be like how when we say scripture or word. Mm-hmm. And 
when or uh, and when we think about <laughs> Gus, I was just about to say it's been a good thing Gus hasn't been barking yet. That I just heard him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it can be used in all those ways. Specifically, the Torah, in the sense, it is the first five books of the of the uh, Old Testament. It is mm-hmm. the Mosaic covenant. Okay. Uh, so it is a bit of both. It's it's used as just like how we use the word scripture as Christians. Uh, I haven't heard anyone call the Talmud Torah. Uh, for if you do not know, the Talmud is effectively a collection of rabbinical commentaries and writings about scripture, about the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is frequently, it, it's like, they, they view it as like deuterocanonical. It's like not quite scripture, but it's like pretty up there uh, as far as they're concerned. Uh, so yeah, that's, okay. so I've, I haven't heard anyone refer to that as Torah, but I, I can, I could see maybe some, uh, but yeah, no Torah specifically is the word for law, which is the first five books of the old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right. Deuteronomy. So, so let me just give you, um, like just a general summation of those five books. Would you like me to do it together or just one at a time or... Like, uh, I don't it, know what your intentions are, like how you intended to go through this. Well, I think one of the, f- the maybe one of the more fun questions was talking about first before we get into what the Torah is, okay. is how do we feel like our generations receive the Torah? How do most people like take the first five books of the Old Testament? Well, I, I think that depends whether you're a Christian or not. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I but mean, I mean, I mean, generally speaking, within yeah, Christians within in our generations, because I don't I think guess I don't really understand the question. Because to me, how do you not accept all of the books of the Bible as the Word of God, and it is what it is? So, well, I, I'm not. I'm not mean? saying. I'm not saying that. But like, think of like everyone has books that they prefer because that it speaks to them in mm-hmm. their walk more. Sure. How do we feel like your generation who are Christians? How do you guys? How do you think they receive the first five books as it speaks into their Christian walk? I mean, honestly, I don't know because I've never asked anybody that question. Um, I struggle with using this microphone. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm so inconsistent. Um, I'm trying to stay like right here because I think this is a good place, but <laughs> I keep like not being able to stay here. Just don't, don't, don't be too self-conscious about it. You're doing yeah. fine. Okay. Thank you. Um, like for me, I love personally, I'm not so much into Leviticus cause I, I really don't care about reading about all the burnt offerings and everything. That's a little bit of a struggle. But um, Genesis and Exodus are like two of my favorites to just read, reread, reread, reread. I mean, like there's it, so there's yeah. so much history there. They have a lot of awesome stories. There's so many awesome stories, and there's so much wisdom. Um, you know, the law gets laid down during that time period, right? And just the original promise comes through in the Book of Genesis, right? Yeah, through the seed of of Abraham, and um, uh, you know, I mean, it just, it's the foundation, I think, for everything. Yeah. And so, from my perspective, in fact, I just started, I like to read through the Bible periodically. I've done it about five times, and I'm, I just started again a couple months ago, and I honestly, I haven't been as faithful doing it daily, um, but um, I was back there again today, and, um, and this is, uh, um, I'm in Exodus, and and so it's just so rich in terms of of what happened. Now, the, the thing that I struggle with sometimes is, and I'm sure my friends do as well, you know, we always talk, or it's easy to talk about a loving God, but he's quite powerful in, yeah. these, in the Pentateuch, you know, and very... Um, um, uh, powerful is the best word I can use in terms of, you know, he, the authority he will totally th- think that's the best way to put it. And so I think sometimes that can be a little bit challenging to have to listen, you know, to read and to kind of like, um, just kind of evaluate all of that. Yeah, uh, I think kind of connected to that is we're talking about uh, when we think of the law, we think of God's commands that we, we people would have mm-hmm. to obey. That mm-hmm. excuse me, as Christians, we no longer have to because like all the sacrifices and a lot of things like that, and a lot of ways there is meant for a judicial system, and we see command like, oh, if someone does this, they shall be put to death. 
Mm-hmm. Is that kind of getting close to what you're referring to? Are you talking about more of like the more difficult stories, like the angel of death? No, I'm thinking more of where basically, you know, the Lord wipes out certain places and it's like women, children, everybody. Well, oh yeah. So you know, the, yeah, there's, there's portions of that, you know? And so God's I think command in, in, but on the other hand, like he knows the heart, right? We know this when we get into the New Testament, but, you know, not just in the New, but I mean more, it's more prevalently, you know, discussed there and, and, and he knows the heart and he will bless who he will bless and he will curse who he will curse. And I think yeah. for me, that's a little bit challenging sometimes because you want the best for everyone and you want everyone to come to Christ and everyone to follow him wholeheartedly. And, um, that just doesn't happen. And so, um, again, he knows the heart. And so we have to just trust his judgment on that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there can be a lot of struggle with when we read those times where God commands Israel to wipe out an entire yes nation basically. well uh, nation but mm-hmm. let's, most of the time it's more like city states right right uh, true but it's still true. that's thousands it, of people it's, still it's, it's thousands of people and again and it's you know mentioned specifically and the women and children yeah uh, you just everyone wipe out yes. entire civilizations mm-hmm. and we think about that and we struggle with that but i think something that because it's been we've talked about the flood so much like we don't realize how like god did that already like god has wiped out almost the entire earth civilization save a handful of people and mm-hmm. from one family right as far as we're aware right. we don't know exactly the span of the flood it could have been worldwide it could have been mm-hmm. generally related to the middle east we don't fully know because we're not god there are sometimes people have questions about things like that that said though it's it's still something that's hard to deal with and we, we get the origination of those commands that he later gives in like Joshua and everything in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sure. kind of getting into that, because uh, we, we, you talked about stories. Like, mm-hmm. That's been your favorite part mm-hmm. of the Torah. Totally. And one of the things that I always wondered when I was a kid that no one ever had an answer for, uh, and you might, uh, our li- listeners might have been wondering, why would the law code have stories because i think we relate to stories we can relate them to our own lives that's a big part of it and i think you know like when i think about like church i think stories and testimonies where you when you discuss your um your connection to god and kind of like you know how it all came to be I think people can relate to that because a lot of times as, as non-Christians or prior to coming to, to the Lord, you kind of like sit on the, on the outside saying, Oh, I can't go to church. I'm not good enough. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, um, not match up, but you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, um, I can't possibly adhere to the law. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, (laughs) But because Jesus took it all for us, I mean, basically, we need to adhere to him. We need to follow his leading, right? And I know we're talking about the Old Testament, but we can say that, you know, Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament. You just well, have to know where to find him. More more than just revealed, pretty much all of what Jesus' commands and teachings are is he's saying, you idiot religious people, stop adhering to the letter of the law, right. focus on the spirit of the law. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, uh, think of the two greatest commandments. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's Deuteronomy 6. That's in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And then love your neighbor as yourself is in Leviticus. I think it's like Leviticus 19 or something. Um, we were talking about this at group the other night and how, you know, I wonder how many people have chosen not to come to the Lord because of other Christians. Like sometimes Christians can be like just mean, mean spirited, um, angry yeah. people. And it's like, you know, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our heart, right? We're supposed to be excited about, yeah. you know, who we are in him. And yet sometimes we see and we read just some vile things from other Christians. Yeah. I mean, think of Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you've heard of his story. Uh, I don't know the whole thing, but... 
Yeah, it's just uh, he was a famous apologetic mm-hmm. uh, poli- apologist or for apologist. the f- mm-hmm. for the faith, right? Uh, frequently debated anyone who disagreed with Christianity. Was known as one of the most brilliant defenders of the faith in the last generation. Mm-hmm. And then after he passed during COVID, uh, all this scandal came out that he just sexually harassed and assaulted a lot of women because he would go to massage parlors and force them to do things to him Mm -hmm. saying that uh one woman even quoted what he said was that he's worked so hard for the lord that he needs some relief oh brother and again like that's awful that's awful like don't you dare use god to sexually assault someone you know um i've i've experienced this in the workplace where people like to try to pull out their jesus card as I say it, you know, like as an excuse. Is that like the Christian version of like a gay card or a black card? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I, I just use that terminology because it used to frustrate me with, with Christians in the workplace who would use that. I say pull out their Jesus card, basically implying like they don't have to follow the the law. Like they don't have to follow the policies and procedures of the department because they're a follower of Jesus and they have the freedom to do that. And it's like, well, yeah, you do, but in the workplace, how about render to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? That's what I would go to. I mean, yeah, there was, I think one of our first episodes was uh, a full episode on how we're told to follow the law and that includes our bosses and everything. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so Trying to maybe switch gears a little bit back because yeah, we got a, a bit off topic. Yeah. Uh, when we focus on the Torah, we think of the first five books mm-hmm. of the Old Testament, and it can seem like a bit of a boring topic. But as we talked about just a minute ago, a lot of what Jesus say, says comes from the Torah. Mm-hmm. It comes from mm-hmm. the first five books. And as I asked, oh, well, why would narrative, why would stories be in this? That's a big part of it. God is using it to teach us. Mm-hmm. But the entire Torah is meant to teach. It's meant mm-hmm. to be a teaching. It's sure. meant to be scripture. And so... Sure. Wondering, like, functionally, why is it there besides just teaching? And there's actually a very, a very cool reason. Okay. We call the most. What do we call the first five books? We have the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. the Torah. Mm-hmm. It's also called the Mosaic Covenant. Okay. It's the it's the time God with Moses formed a covenant between God and Israel. The beginning of every covenant, of every brief, or treaty, in a more literal sense, is a preamble of history. The stories start with essentially the suzerain the king which would be god big describe his, their relational history between him and their vassal which is israel so all of genesis is like a preamble to the covenant which is also used for teaching because there's a lot of valuable lessons we can learn in there from joseph abraham jacob isaac all of them but there's also an aspect of theology of God saying, this is my relational history with my people as I set up my promise and my treaty with them. So while you were just speaking there, I just had this thought. I'm like, when you said mosaic, I'm like, okay, is mosaic is the root word Moses? I mean, is Moses mosaic? Is, is that connected there? And when you look at the definition of mosaic, it's a picture or pattern produced by arranging together small colored pieces of hard material such as stone, tile, or glass. And when I think about Moses, you know, there's there's a connection there. There's got to be a connection. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's derived from something related to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not fully aware. I always have viewed them as kind of different. I assumed a mosaic was unrelated. I just put it together right now because I think I think there is a connection. Yeah. Uh, I have to do more research on that one. Yeah. So when it comes to covenant, there tends to be a pattern of things with the, with the covenant. These, the, the original literature is based on ancient Hittite treaties. And if anyone's curious about where I get this information from, almost all of it is from... Uh, or can be found in John Walton's uh, Ancient Near Eastern Thought uh, and the Old Testament. It is a book about 10 years old or so, I think now. Mm. But there's a pattern of these Hittite treaties that Moses follows, which I find really awesome. Uh, effectively, it starts with the preamble, which is like Genesis, or a more specific and smaller examples, because we actually find uh, covenant in Exodus and Deuteronomy as well. Exodus 20 to 24 is a covenant. All of Deuteronomy is a covenant uh, literature. And it, so it starts with the preamble, and then it goes into covenant stipulations, which are the commands. 
of the suzerain. Uh, and then it goes into... What's the suzerain? The suzerain is the king, is the person oh, of higher status okay. in the treaty. Okay. The thing with stipulations or commands is that the person who is the on the lower end, the vassal, they do not get any say in what goes in this treaty. It is a dictated, like, this is what you want to do if you want to uphold my blessing. So growing up, I was the suzerain and you were the vassal? In a sense, yeah. <laughs> As parent and child. <laughs> yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, then next will come ratification and then blessings and curses. Uh, I'm sorry, blessing and curses, then ratification. So blessing and curses we can see in like Deuteronomy's, Deuteronomy 27 and 28 where God will give this huge array of here are all the things that will happen if you uphold my, my covenant and here are all the bad things that will happen if you destroy my covenant, disobey it. And then after that, like I mentioned, there's ratification. That is where everyone who is the vassal agrees to the covenant. And then there are witnesses in Exodus 24. It is uh, it says the altar and the twelve pillars that are near them. And that kind of seems kind of funny. Why would why would non living things be the witnesses? But it's actually very common in the treaties at this time. Uh, it's not meant to be anything particular. It's just a part of like the style of I this literature. Find it interesting that it was twelve. I mean, yeah, 12 yeah. is definitely symbolic yeah, for the for 12 sure. tribes of Israel. Right. right. Uh, a lot of non-Israelite ones, you'll see, like, they'll describe the, the winds and the... <laughs> I'm s I have to keep telling Brian I think he's too loud. Sorry. I think it's just because I had your thing, your your vol your your headphones volume louder because you couldn't hear yourself. I can't hear. <laughs> no, it's because you asked because you said you couldn't hear yourself at all. I see. Uh so, uh, where was I at? Uh, so, like, a, a non-Israelite trees, they'll have, like, the birds, the air, uh, the the sea, the trees, and those are all meant to symbolize, like, foreign gods and from their pantheon, saying, like, the gods are witnesses or, like, non-living things are witnesses. Uh, but it was it's almost never humans who are witnesses. It's almost never people who are witnesses to the treaty. I had no idea. It's... What do you mean? Are you saying you don't know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying I had no idea. Oh, I thought you I'm, said I have no idea. No, I'm saying I was like I about no, what? No, I'm just saying I, now I can't hear myself at all. Okay, I I really struggle with the mic thing. Okay, oh, he, it's the volume that you're. Yeah. So that's what you're saying. I'm sounding okay on the other side, but for me, I can't. Yeah. Anywho, um, no, I didn't realize that th it was like non-people that were. The witnesses, like I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's very it's very very oh. peculiar. Okay, hey, now we don't have you bark. the dog inside okay. the room barking. Okay. You're okay, girl. <laughs> You're a good girl. Uh, so that's kind of the breakdown of how a covenant is formed. Hmm. And so when we think about the law, when we think of like the literature inside the Torah, we have we have the stories, and then we have the commands. And then we also have the blessings and curses or like the, the promises effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are all make up different parts of a covenant. Okay. If that makes sense. So they're, they're all critical aspects when the story, and they're all used to teach us. They're all used to teach us different parts about mm -hmm. how we should live or God or God's grace. Because uh, we, we kind of started with how people receive the Torah. I think, I th yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people don't really care about it that much because it's seen as like Old Testament. And so this is, this is the thing that Jesus had to die for to satisfy. So it's not really good. Like we don't want to be legalistic, so we don't need to read the law or most of the laws aren't valuable to us anymore. What do you mean it's not really good? I, I misunderstood what you were trying to say there. Like some people will think because Jesus had to die for the law and we're free from the law, it's like there's almost no genuine value for it for our walk. Mm. But we can learn from it, right? Because we know that history is going to repeat itself. So oh, we, we definitely want can to learn from avoid it. the things uh, that we can learn from back then. And again, I think the other aspect of this is to recognize when I think about like the Old Testament, I think more about the power of God. When I think about the New yeah. Testament, I do think about more the love of God. We have to understand that we have both. Yes. And, and so we can't lose sight. 
of his authority and power. And, and, and it's what we do every day. Like yeah. we, we struggle in the flesh here for the flesh to lose for, for the Lord to win every single day. It's a battle of our lives. I mean, I know I, I speak for myself, but I know everybody goes through it as well. I mean, we all have our own issues and struggles that we, yeah. we fight with against the flesh every day. Um, but that's the key. It's like, you know, we have to recognize that um, he's in control. And I think even getting to how you started that train of thought was when you view the Old Testament, we tend to see God's more power. And I think that's part of the problem is people don't read the Torah and see God's love mm-hmm. when it's actually full of God's grace and love. Mm-hmm. The Torah doesn't save us. Doing Following the covenant doesn't save our soul. It's having faith in God that say, can save our soul. Mm-hmm. And ultimately Jesus, because mm-hmm. he's the one who changes us. Right. But the Torah itself is full of grace. It's full of love. And it seems weird to think that, but there's parts of it that once we understand about the covenant, about the Torah, that it begins to open our eyes about God's always been loving. He's always been gracious. Uh, like when we think of the commands where it says, if you do, someone does this, they shall be put to death. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're just like, wow, someone you would really kill someone for that. But then what we don't realize is that most of the, the law is God establishing punishment ceilings. You can't punish someone more than this. Because say, say someone did something awful, like someone sexually assaulted someone. The punishment for that in the Torah is death. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mo- for a lot of times, uh, there's a couple situations it's a little bit different. But but you're right, death is definitely but, the primary. <laughs> but say, but say, if I'm a dad and some young man comes over and murder or not murders uh, assaults my daughter. If I'm that old, if I'm in the older, one of the, uh, before the law, what would I do? I would kill him and I would kill his entire family. That was commonplace. So God's saying, don't you dare punish everyone else for the sins of one man. Hmm. And when we see it through that lens, when we understand that it's God saying, you can't punish more than this. It's the same thing with eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. If you, someone steals something from someone, a lot of people would want death. <laughs> Stole, yeah. Sorry, if yeah, it's like say I stole from someone, Mm -hmm. a lot of people would demand death as recompense, Mm -hmm. and God's saying no, you can't. You can cut off their hand at worse, Mm -hmm. and he so he's not saying, God's not saying like oh you have to cut off their hand or oh you have to put this person to death. He's saying this is the worst punishment you can you're allowed to give this person for what they did. Mm -hmm. You cannot do anything worse than this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then another thing is. We think about covenants. They're effectively treaties, right? What happens when you break a treaty? Well, when that happens, we talk about that's where the blessings and cursings come in. Uh, and that's why, like, later in the Old Testament, we see God let Israel be defeated by their enemies and go into exile because that's one of the curses for breaking covenant. Excuse me. But one of the things people don't realize is that in every other covenant, there are no aspects of renewal. There is no renewal system in every other covenant that anyone's ever found in the history of literature hmm. that's before the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, or anything near like or anything like it in its uh, contemporaries. And that's just to say, uh, like in Deuteronomy, I think 30, 31-ish, whenever it's near the ratification, God establishes a system of sacrifice. He mentions the sacrificial system, and the sacrificial system is how to renew covenant. God doesn't have to come and make a new covenant every single time mm-hmm. someone breaks it. He mm-hmm. just says, I know you're not going to be perfect. I know mm-hmm. you're not. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set up a system so you guys don't have to feel like you have to make a new covenant every single time with me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you grace, and I just want improved obedience, not perfection. And, th- I mean, that's ultimately also why Jesus needed to come, so he can give the fullness of that grace, so that way we can actually change and know God, and so that sinful part of us can be overcome. But with the law, with the Torah, it's meant to be, I'm trying to teach you to become a better person. And I want you to know me more. Mm. And my son isn't here yet. This is what, like, this is one of the best things I can do for you. So you Mm. can understand your sin. And so when you mess up, you can come back to me, you can grow, and you can become a better person every single day of your life. 
And when we begin to look at it through that, it's less about legalism and punishment and more about Jesus as he talked about the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. Focusing, don't think about everything literal. Think about everything as God's heart behind something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like we see Jesus fulfill that. There's the story of the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. One of the questions people should ask themselves is, if a woman who's caught in adultery should be stoned to death, why did then Jesus not punish her? If he's going to perfectly uphold the Torah, how could he not fulfill the punishment of the Torah? Mm-hmm. Because, like I was mentioning, God at no point was saying you have to punish someone for these things. They're saying this is the worst case scenario, what you're allowed to do. You can't do anything more. Mm-hmm. If your wife cheats on you, you can't go kill her children or her family. That mm-hmm. is awful and that is evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Sometimes. So you're saying, so let, let, let's back up a little bit. So, you know, as I'm reading through Exodus right now, I'm, I'm actually at the part where we're talking about the law, and I was just reading about, you know, if the neighbor, um, you know, rapes the, the next-door neighbor, he's put to death, and this and that. But so I, when, I in, when I would read that, I would interpret that as shall, like he shall be put to death. But you're saying that's the extreme of the law. It can't be anything more than that. Yes. Uh, Every single command that has a punishment is either a floor or a ceiling. It's either saying this is the minimum punishment or this is the maximum punishment. And you can normally tell through context. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's very much a, a mistranslation. I never understood that. It's yeah. And it's, it's just hard to, because those words would be in the imperative. They would be seen as commands, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but one of the things about the law with the stipulations is that this isn't an absolute legal code. This isn't mm-hmm. like modern law systems. Mm-hmm. This is meant to be like a kind of a framework, a framework of, of morality. Mm-hmm. So it's not every single time someone does this, you have to do it. It's meant to teach you and have an idea of who God is and how you should live. But what about eye for an eye? Well, that was wait. Well, what about it? Cause I was just speaking well, about that. Well, but I mean, again, you're saying that's the, that's the ceiling. The eye for an eye is the ceiling. It's yes. not like the reality. I mean, you know, like to me, I would take that as gospel. Ah, no pun intended. Um, but, you know, an eye for an eye. So. Yeah. And, and but we, when we get to Jesus talking about that in the gospels, it's because they've ignored the heart of the law. God says that is a means of stop trying to get such a harsh punishment for people. Be gracious towards them when they do something mm-hmm. bad against you. Okay. And Jesus is saying like, like you stubborn fools, you, you've missed the whole point of this command. <laughs> you, you're now, you're still going for the max possible punishment with everything. Like, mm-hmm. My whole point of that was forgiveness. Don't do something that far outreaches what they did to you. Mm-hmm. And if they did do something to hurt you, don't try and get equal recompense all the time. Like forgiveness. I've forgiven you. Forgive each other as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why it's like it's speaking on two issues and, and they're two different cultural contexts where before you poke someone's eye out, <laughs> they'll kill your family. And later it's someone pokes your eye out. You demand to have their eye taken out. But Jesus is saying, well, no, no, no. You're missing the whole point of the original part. Mm-hmm. It's about grace. It's about forgiveness. Don't, ha- you don't have to have the worst possible punishment when someone hurts you. Brian, can you remember back? Um, your memory is probably going to be a lot better than mine. Um, we were having, uh, when we used to do, we used to have a young adults at our home years ago. Yeah. And, and uh, you were in the group, and one of the times we were talking about, like, gun control and about, um, I remember, it was kind of along the vein of what we're talking about in the sense of, um, like, defending your family and so forth. Um, could you shoot another person? And... I just recall that like dad and I and, you know, like other adults that we know, like we're thinking first and foremost, absolutely, we're going to do that. And most of the young adults were like, I don't know that I could do that. And it was, it was, I remember, um, I don't remember who it was, but I do remember 
um, them thinking, it might have been Caitlin, I don't remember. I don't remember this conversation You at don't all. remember it at all, but I remember her thinking that, you know, I wouldn't want to take somebody else's life because what if they're not a Christian? And, and, and there was that um, concern there. Um, Definitely. <laughs> you know, like then, then they would take that burden on themselves by taking another life who isn't going to see Jesus. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, so I think the difference between millennial and boomer on this is that, you know, I think sometimes we do tend to do things that we're used to, accustomed to. And so, I, again, I've never heard that this is more of a ceiling and a floor. I've always taken it as, like you said, an imperative. And so, like, you know, really kind of changes my whole um, thought process on um, not morality, but like how we would handle with some of these um, moral decisions. Um, Because I've, like, it just seems like in recent years that we've been very lenient on criminals and, you know, um, I mean, I have to say that. It seems like we have been, because that's my experience, and my I'm drawing from the Old Testament as well, thinking that, no, it's like, I don't think we go far enough in our, um, you know, giving of s- sentences and things like that. And so now I'm wondering, maybe I'd been looking at it the wrong way. Uh. It's it's like yes and also no. If if God allows a punishment up to an extent, like He does allow that punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not to say you shouldn't be seeking things. Like there's a lot of Christians who are today against the death penalty, and we don't have to do a full death penalty conversation right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are thinking of the process of like, well, like a I lot think of we things. Did that last year, I think we did the death penalty. If we did, we didn't. We were going to. Oh, okay. So we'll have to check uh, that and see. Yeah, we can do that. That could, that could be a fun one. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of a lot of people, though, especially a lot of Christians, their thought process is like, "What if the DNA evidence is wrong? Because it's not as accurate as people portray it on TV. It's like not near as accurate." There's a lot of people who, it's like, are we? Do we really want to say a hundred percent, absolutely sure that this person committed this? Or like, are we so sure that? we should kill them because of that. A lot of people are very hesitant, but I mean, God didn't demand near the amount of insurmountable evidence in the old Testament for him to permit someone to being put to death for if they committed a crime. And so it's, it's something that's difficult to wrestle with, but there, cause there, there is an aspect of this is all about grace, but there is an aspect of this is also still a judicial system. God is establishing this for our government. And, like there is an aspect of if you do something wrong, you do need to be punished. Well, there are consequences you do need to be to disciplined. Yeah, and I I think that's also a big part of it is the Torah is all about uh, reconciliation. When it's also it's about protection renewal. of other people. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, to me, that's really the ultimate key. It isn't so much punishing somebody for the act that they did, but we want to protect other people. I mean, there are some just crazy people out there. And, and, you know. Yes, there are. Unfortunately, they've, like in California, they've released so many violent criminals early because they were told they had too many people in prisons, and so they had to release them. And, of course, just like everywhere else, in most of the larger cities and so forth since for the last um, year or so, the crime rate is up substantially, and and frankly, I'm sorry, but I do. If you look at the, it's it's really more in in liberal policy uh, areas and where the gun control, where the gun laws are very strict. I mean, look at Chicago. I mean, their murder rate is just through the roof, yeah, and it's and yeah, they have it's like depressingly the, they, sad. They have the strictest um, laws on the books, and so you know. I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, they're not deterred by anything. So. Yeah, it's, it's just a uh, law is such a complex thing, mm-hmm. and kind of getting into part of what I was saying is, and part of it I think what's make potentially be wrong with America's justice system is that a lot of our prisons are designed to just punish almost for the sake of it, rather than for rehabilitating. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah. the Torah is meant to be, you either did something so bad that there's not going to be any rehabilitation because you're going to be dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sucks. Mm-hmm. Or it's focusing on covenant renewal and rehabilitation, bringing people back into society. Well, and I think what you just said is probably true when you think about like all the people that have been put in, in prisons over the years for drugs that it was really just for them taking drugs, not like they were yeah. dealers or anything like that. They weren't causing harm to other people. Um, and so I'm glad that that part has been rectified in many ways. Of course, we want to put the dealers, uh, because they, there've been so many people that have died, you know, yeah. that have taken their own life. They've OD'd. And so, you know, again, getting back to what I was saying before for protection. And so I think when we think about the law, I think the thing we do need to say is, you know, a lot of times people think that like Christians are boring and, you know, like they're not interested in this life because you can't do anything. But the Lord put these laws in place to protect us. You yes. know, I mean, that that's the bottom line. I mean, this is about him protecting us. Yeah, it's it's relationship. It's, it focuses like, let me protect you. Let me keep you guys safe. I want to. I want you to grow. I want you to develop as a person. I want you to know me more, and I want you to become like a better person. Mm-hmm. He, totally. uh, like a uh, shalom is a word I'm sure a lot of people have mm-hmm. heard at some point. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Christian, you might have been told it means peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're more of Jewish orientation, or you've been in like Jewish communities, you know that it can also be like a hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a more biblical sense, shalom is like flourishing. It's more than just not having like bad things happen. It's not just peace, but it's like success, mm. not in the worldly way, but so in it's the, more on the offense, not just the defense. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's not just bad things not happening to you. It is, you are having like a flourishing, like a sense of flourishing, a sense of blessing. Mm-hmm. Nice. I uh, like it. And so, yeah, yeah. there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great stuff about the Torah. Uh, I think we're going to be close to wrapping up. So I figured talking a little bit more of like, how is this really relevant to us today to finish up? Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, I even made a little paragraph of notes for this as Christians. Uh, we view ourselves free from the law because we are right. We, are, mm-hmm. we no longer have to live upholding to the law. We're no longer forced to live under strict rules, but we don't realize that we're also called to a higher standard actually. Uh, kind of similar. Should we want to? Like, I mean, I would think we would want to adhere to the law. Like, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I why mean, would you want to try to pull the... a Jesus card? Like, seriously, getting back to what we were saying <laughs> yeah. before, it's like, like, talk about manipulation, and that's like saying, I'm going to use you, Jesus, for my benefit. You know, well, yeah, it, and it's like, ooh. We, we also have to be careful ooh. because of the, there's the difference between the ones that are seeing moral commands and the ones that are more, like slightly more judicial, like we shouldn't go around stoning gay people because that's not our light legal system. Of course not. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, does that mean that we shouldn't treat it as sin? No, we should still treat sin as sin. Right. Uh, and we all have our own different sin, don't we? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be particularly zealous over one when we have a log in our own eye. Totally. Speaking we of, have a of, big giant plank. Uh, yeah. Speaking yes. of that passage, though, I was about yeah. to bring up Matthew five. A lot of people. They they look at Matthew five. They look at the like, don't even lust in your heart after a woman, mm-hmm. otherwise you commit mm-hmm. adultery, or mm-hmm. all, don't even be angry, otherwise it's like you committed murder in your mm-hmm. heart. A lot of people look at those commands and they say, "See, it's impossible for us mm-hmm. to fulfill the law." Mm-hmm. So that's why we need Jesus. But Jesus is actually saying, "You've misunderstood the spirit of the law. I am actually calling you to a higher standard. You are not allowed to get angry like that because that's like murdering someone in your heart." Mm-hmm. you're not allowed to just lust after women just because you can't sleep with them doesn't mean you get to think whatever you want. Well, again, I think in that vein, um, you know, the reason that we have the laws for protection and so it's a slow fade, right? So if you start lusting after something or someone, then eventually you might act on that, right? So that's, I think, also a reason that he's he's telling us to not do that. You know, I mean, like, I do think, and you guys talked about this in in the last podcast, I mean, like, actually having uh, an affair with somebody is worse than looking in a magazine. However, that looking in that magazine kind of might take you one step further into yeah. actually ha- you know, going and moving into having an affair. So, so I think, um, 
you know, that is true as well. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And I think another part of it is just when we do those things, we let sin inside of us, even if we would never act on those things. Right. Even if a husband is faithful to his wife, never sleeps with another woman. But if he looks at porn every day, that still affects him with sin. Uh, mm. Same with someone if they're consumed by anger, even if they would never actually murder someone. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people who go around angry all the time, but they would never actually kill. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's just just because we feel like we're we're not doing anything illegal doesn't mean we're being moral. Right. Right. And I think that's a big part of what Jesus is trying to emphasize is sometimes we feel like, oh, we're free from the law, so we don't have to worry about being perfect. Well, mm-hmm. even when you're under Torah, you don't have to worry about being perfect because no one was going to be perfect except Jesus. Mm-hmm. But now we're called to even higher standard because guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, so we can now do things that the mm-hmm. Jews couldn't do mm-hmm. at that time. Right. Uh, and I think kind of all summarizing all this conversation up, I think Romans seven is a pretty big famous passage that when we think about the law is what we think about, uh, think about our spiritual lives. We've all had the moments where, as Paul says, we do what we don't want to do and we don't do what we want to do. Right. Totally. I, my whole life. And we, yeah, we, (laughs) yeah. And what's, what is, can be discouraging isn't that thought process but when we're told the context when paul says to those who know the law and then he's talking about this is what like life is like under the torah when there is no jesus he's not saying this is the life of the christian he's saying this is the life of the of the jewish person who doesn't have the holy spirit and jesus to cover their sin mm-hmm. and so we look at that and we go well, well then why do we feel this way and I think it's because we're trying, we're trying to go to Jesus with sense of legalism or sense of I have to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, instead mm-hmm. of saying focusing on the spirit of the law in that mm-hmm. sense or focusing on the spirit of Jesus' commands. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to be really literal, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we, we can get consumed by a life of legalism without even thinking we're being totally, legalistic. Totally. And because, yeah, it can just be like, think of a time, everyone listening, where you were just thinking, why did I just do this? I can't believe I just sinned in this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't ever do that again. Like all times when mm-hmm. we mess up with a sin like that, that's our first thought. But when our first thought is about ourselves, when we sin. <laughs> you Sorry, t- I just banged the table. That's funny. Uh <laughs> That, that makes us being relying on the law to save us or to make us mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it won't perfect us like Jesus can or like mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can. Mm-hmm. It won't save. And that ultimately leads us to the fact that the law can extend grace. The law is gracious. It's an extending of God's grace. But the law itself isn't extending grace to us. The only person who can give us grace is God himself. Mm-hmm. And so that's why all that passage, the... I just don't want, like, I feel like I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. And all that culminates with Paul saying, there is now life in Jesus Christ. And that's with Romans 8, 1 through 3. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law cannot do, weak as it is, was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for their sin. Amen. And so it's just to say, the law can teach us so much. It's so awesome. But we shouldn't also get so focused on it that we miss the fact that we don't want to miss out on the person who actually saves us. Can't see the forest through the trees. And we can learn so much when we realize that even if we don't uphold the Torah, when we follow a lot of the New Testament— or we've maybe even focused more on the New Testament for a lot of Christians, that doesn't mean we're not falling into the same traps they are. Mm-hmm. Because as, as Christians, we shouldn't be following in, into the, I don't want to do what I do do, and I mm-hmm. do what I don't want to do. Like, we shouldn't be following that according to, mm-hmm. falling into that according to Paul, but we do. But I, will, I am thankful that um, his mercies are new every morning, right? He tells us that. And so yeah. we have the opportunity each yeah. day when we get up to start anew, start afresh, don't condemn ourselves for what we said or did yesterday and um, to just move forward with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. And I know that's easier said than done, but it's kind of like we have to at least try to do that. Yeah, we do. 
So yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah we we need yeah. Well said, Mama. Thank you. Once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When when it comes, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of. I'm just keep saying yeah, like I'm in agreement <laughs> with you. I'm also trying to articulate my own thoughts now. Uh, I'll yeah. I'll I will stop trying to articulate a thought. I'm just gonna read the next little verse passage that I have. It's just Psalm one through three. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Amen. Yeah, and just to focus, the law is good, as Paul says in that Romans 7 passage, mm-hmm. the law is righteous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily extend us grace, but it's mm-hmm. we can learn so much, and we can see God's grace in it. Yep. Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if there's any questions about the law uh, or the Old Testament in general, I do recommend anything by John Walton. He is very smart. What are you? You're okay. It's okay. It's not damaged. <laughs> I what? thought you had to have it in. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my little disc here for the memory. I that's not what goes in. That's that's the oh, okay. that, that's what holds your, the micro SD. <laughs> oh. This is what this one holds it. Thank you. I was <laughs> you freaking were, out thinking you were we so, weren't recording this because did this we happened. just record two hours of podcast and yes. not be any of it recorded? Uh, I was thinking this happened to us before. So yep. uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Brian. It's okay. And if you don't want to buy a book by John Walton, which I mean, again, if you want to learn anything about Old Testament, I highly recommend him. He has a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, you can always email us a question, or if there's any topic that you're interested in us interested in us discussing, you guys can always email us at realworldpod at gmail.com. If you're following us on any platform, thank you. Uh, if you're not, please follow us. Leave us a review on anything. Uh, and thank you guys again. Hope you guys have a great day. Have a great day. Thank I, you. I'm mad. I, my, yeah, my mad. My bad. I didn't realize to ask or didn't think to ask. Uh, did you have any final thoughts, Mama? No, I'm good. I think... Uh think you're more of the authority in this (laughs) okay good thing i forgot then i don't feel as bad now